Welcome back, everyone. I'm Max Shannon. Today, I'm delighted to be joined with Tony Dowwood. Tony is the CEO of Gresham House, which is a specialist alternative asset manager focused on delivering sustainable investments for clients across a range of strategies, from forestry, housing, sustainable infrastructure, renewable energy, battery storage, as well as public and private equity. Tony has over 25 years investment management experience with an identifiable track record of outperformance with previous firms such as UBS Global Asset Management and Schroeder Ventures London, now SVG Advisors, of which he was previously CIO and later CEO of. Tony sits on a number of investment committees from Gresham House Funds, including Gresham House Strategic, British Strategic Investment Fund and Barons Mead Venture Capital Trust. Further, he was also previously chair of the London Pensions Fund Authority Investment Panel and a non-executive board member. And last, Tony was a former player with Saracens, Roslyn Park FC, a Cambridge University Blue, as well as playing for the Irish Exiles and has a number of junior England caps. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I already mentioned this a little bit, but can you explain what Gresham House does and what your day-to-day entails? Yeah, of course. Good to be here, Max, and thanks for the invitation. Um, Gresham House is listed on the London Stock Exchange as an alternative asset manager. We focus on areas which typically sit in the alternative bucket for people when they asset allocate, whether pension funds or individuals or family offices, uh, when they're looking to diversify their portfolio. So the asset classes that we are involved in are typically in what they call that alternative bucket. Um, The areas that we have uh, exposure to and we manage for clients, um, as you mentioned, forestry, we're the largest forestry asset manager in the UK, Uh, battery storage, which is in with our renewables or new energy area, we're one of the largest in Europe in that area. Um, Private equity in the smaller area with with, uh, Baronsby Venture Capital Trusts. Also our housing, where we have PRS or private rental sector and social housing. But we also have some specialist public equity units as well, uh, where we have listed vehicles like Gresham House Strategic, GHS, or Strategic Equity Capital, SEC, but also some open-ended with some award-winning fund managers in that space as well. Awesome. Can you tell us how uh, you manage risk as a whole firm? So I have a management committee um, that has a day-to-day executive responsibility for managing risk across the firm. And uh, and of course, above that, being a PLC, we have a a listed board, which oversee all the governance aspects of multiple areas of uh, risk management. But in in, in the day-to-day, if you want to break it down, into areas that the people uh, processes and, and philosophy or culture of the business are, I would say are the three main pillars of managing risk if you've got the right people within um, uh, the right identified processes to to manage risk um, and the culture of people being transparent honest with integrity putting all of those together allows allows the business to function and you have confidence where there are things when they don't go according to plan you can try and jump on them and manage them accordingly rather than wait for people to hide them perhaps uh, and then to be a greater problem later so those sort of the, the three pillars i would say are the, the the way of thinking about it moving on from risk how would you describe the current state of the market and what's your outlook uh, the market is unprecedented at the moment for all sorts of reasons, including the fact that you've got near zero interest rates globally, which has been like that for over 10 years. Uh, you've got a huge amount of quantitative easing, amount of money in the system. Uh, and then, of course, you're coming out of a situation where governments have, have pumped this money into the system as a part of the financial crisis in 2008-9-10. Yeah, and they had the, the pandemic where they've had to pump more money into the system as well. So you've got almost unprecedented amount of levels of debt from a government uh, viewpoint, low interest rates. So this is uh, an unprecedented in economic uh, and I would say political history. Um, what does that lead to? Well, it's, it's difficult to predict, but I'm a believer in return to the mean. So valuations at the moment 
are in, in some areas very, very high. And, and you can see that um, in, in price to earnings ratios in, in, in certain amounts of technology or, or, or healthcare or uh, I mean, media in some respects. Um, but then, then there are areas within the market that people um, aren't liked. You know, they, they are frowned and, and, and sort of dis, disregarded to some degree. And those are the areas where there is a lot of value because they haven't got necessarily the growth or momentum that has done very well over the last 10 years as, as, as investors have focused very much on those growth and momentum stocks. So you do have a bit of a, a barbell, let's say, within in the market for equities. But within that, there, there, there are opportunities um, but but it is a fragile situation in globally at the moment. The, the inflation you can see when markets get get a bit scared of inflation, or there's a taper relief as there's the Fed in the US starts talking about reducing um, uh, pumping uh, money into dollars into the system. The markets get spooked. You'll see a few days worth of, of concern, and then it seems to settle down. So there's clearly fragility there uh, around the likes of inflation or interest rates movements or indeed the quantitative easing actually being reduced. Sure. And talking about markets getting spooked, how do uh, Gresham House investment teams manage cash allocations to ensure they have liquidity to deploy after slash when a crash happens? So each of the mandates will have their own um, discretion to do that. But each fund manager will look on a case by case basis. And typically, you know, the, the clients will expect to be fully invested, you know, no matter what um, the, the state of affairs of the market, they will always say, I want to be fully invested. And of course, when when there is a crash or a, or a, or a correction, they then sort of say, why weren't you in cash? But, you, you know, these, thing, these things happen. Um, but the reality is the default is to be fully invested. But the discretion around the manager who may see uh, opportunities in the short term or long term and then hold cash is at his own discretion. Um, and, and typically you may hold, you know, between five and sometimes up to 10% cash. It's very unusual if you'd hold any more than that. And if you hold it for a longer term, period, then I could understand why clients may question that because, of course, they're paying you to be fully invested. Sure, absolutely. But how do you uh, approach value, quality and growth allocation? Again, um, up to the each individual fund manager discretion. My background is very much from a value side. But if you, the more I, you, you look at this and become, I suppose, uh, experience in this value and growth is almost two sides of the same coin. Um, a value, a growth manager just perceives that the growth is going to be greater than the market uh, expects and therefore they're investing in that and a value manager also expects the growth of a company to be greater than the market expects but they've already got a company that particularly might have a low growth expectation so really whilst whilst they they, they do have these two philosophies of value and growth um there is clearly a, a, a big overlap um personally I, I tend to look at the, the focus on the cash flow the ability for a management team um, and capable management team to, to, to reinvest cash flow, but also to outperform the market expectations. Uh, and typically that means looking at lower valued companies where the market does not expect the company to grow as much as, as we or I do. Okay. Now I want to get into the nitty gritty of uh, Gresham House, specifically your strategic equity capital PLC or SEC for short. Um, now this is a small cap focused fund. Can you give us an overview of the small cap market? Yes. Um, the small cap market, particularly in the UK, often lead, if you go back 50 to 60 years, as is um, the London Business School uh, has shown that the data, the small companies outperform uh, the market as a whole, typically, and I think the numbers around 4% per annum, which is a substantial amount when, when you compound that over 10, 50 years, particularly. So, you know, if you want to look for um, areas of the market that have inefficiencies where you can pick up uh, outperformance or alpha, the smaller company market has a lot of evidence to do that. 
Um, we typically have um, an expertise in that. We've got a, a number of individuals, uh, the likes of, of Ken Watton, Laurie Hulse, Brendan Gulston, and in fact, indeed myself, where I chair one or two investment committees, um, with a lot of experience and, and, and awards in this space. Strategic Equity Capital is one of those listed investment trusts that, that, that we manage. It typically focuses on companies between the 150 odd million pounds market cap up, up to about a billion pounds in market cap. Uh, the majority of the companies, a very focused portfolio, majority of the, the, the assets are in about 10, 10 or so companies. Uh, and it was launched in 2005, um, actually, when I was at Schroeder Ventures, and I launched it with a colleague, Graham Bird. Um, and we, um, this is a vehicle which um, recently we took on at uh, Gresham House with Ken Watton leading the team about a year, just over a year ago. Uh, and we have a, a huge expectations. It has performed, um, has had periods of good performance since launch in 2005 and compounded over that um, versus the market. It has it outperformed the market, but it is a very specialist way of looking at um, uh, investing. We use a private equity approach. And what does that mean? We typically look at the, uh, do a lot more diligence than the average fund manager. The, the, the portfolio is much more focused. I say 10 companies make up the majority. Uh, we look at how, Private equity may look at that company in terms of an LBO, leverage buyout analysis. We get engaged with the company um, in, in, in order to, to um, have a better insights with the management team and, and the underlying assets uh, and operations. So there's quite a lot more within it and how we approach each individual stock rather than a typical fund manager who may have between 50 and 100 companies in his portfolio. Um, and so you've mentioned kind of a few portfolio characteristics um, so far. Can you, can you get... Uh, mention a few more and, and the key ones specifically yeah i mean we, we we when we go into a company we look at where um what the valuation is today and where we think it could get to and the things that the three areas that that, that of value creation in equity are profit growth multiples either private earnings or ev ratio and then the cash generation paying debts down those are the three levers that that we look at and put a lot of emphasis on so if we think that the profit growth can go from let's say 100 to 150 and then the multiple we're buying on let's say it's five times ebitda and we believe that it should be at eight because there are other transactions going on eight in that in that area um we will then put that into our models financial models do an appraisal of that around that uh, and then see what cash generation over that three or four year period will happen and pay down debt and how that all goes to equity value, i.e. profits have gone from 100 to 150, you put a multiple of eight on it, not five, and then the cash in that three or four years, what does that lead to equity value? And then that's what we perceive as intrinsic value. So that that's a sort of scope of looking at our private equity approach. And we do that both in strategic equity capital, as well as another even smaller vehicle that we look at sub typically sub 100 million pound market cap companies called GHS that you mentioned earlier. Okay. Now, why has SEC returned 17% CAGA, as I like to say, compared to FTSE uh, small cap return of 13% since 09? Well, the, I mean, what you're summarising there is the outperformance over a long period of time. And, and we firmly believe that that is what, what you get when you buy our approach. So not just SEC, but GHS and some of our other funds. We firmly believe we don't invest for the short term. And the short term, in our view, um, is not one or two years. It's sort of, uh, you know, it's sorry, the, the long term is not one or two years. It's typically three years, five years, even longer. So over that long period of time, what you've just expressed is that outperformance for SEC. And you can see that, I mean, if, if you go, but even if, if you look at my track record that we use for um, the, the GHS, where I chair the investment committee, 
you can see going back 20 years, these long period, there's period, big, big outperformance over the long term. In any short term period, you will get volatility, you will get uh, underperformance. But that long term, if you buy into that, particularly if you're a long term investor, but people coming out of university, they've got 30, 40 years worth of investment horizon, then um, that sort of investment horizon, you should be looking for long term investors who can evidence their outperformance and alpha creation. Okay. Now, 70% of SEC's net asset value valuations compared to the FTSE small cap index is higher, but growth is lower. However, your quality of companies is also higher on average in a general sense. How do you think of this situation and do these valuations worry you? So there's two two parts or two components to the answer there. We took on the, the, the um, SEC vehicle about a year, just over a year ago. And during that period of time, Ken Watton has been leading that fund uh, since has been restructuring the portfolio. So some of these statistics that you're referring to um, will be historic and backward looking. Uh, and hence, that you know, this is an, a vehicle that was in a, a period of transition when you were looking. So now now that vehicle is, is, is very much largely positioned as Ken wants it. And so some of those statistics will be quite rightly, as you say, why would you pay more for a lower growth, etc. Um, so you would see that changing quite a bit as, as we stand today. I think the second component to the answer is w- because of the nature of the depth of research we do, and we, we actually have different views partic- potentially on the growth expectations of a business. So, um, you know, they may, they may be forecast of the business, forecasting a profit of, let's say, 100. But our analysis, our views, views the things that the market is, is not up to speed with what's going on in that business, uh, and that we will see that the, 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 the profit of 100 would actually be over the next two or three years, a different number and higher because of our expectations. So when you look at um, uh, those two components together, you could see that those metrics, whilst you rightly point them out, are possibly not uh, the, the simple way of appraising them. Okay. Moving on to Barrensmead Second Venture Trust PLC. Um, what's your investment thesis and what's your portfolio return since COVID specifically? So I'm not on the board of Barrensmead, but we manage the Barrensmead Trust. It's a venture capital trust typically focused on earlier stage businesses that are looking for growth and development capital. So there's particular um, qualifications in order to be able to invest in, in smaller companies that, that get the vet venture capital trust uh, uh, wrapper. Um, Barron's Mead has been around over 20 years. It's a well-trusted, well-respected uh, venture capital trust or VCT brand. Um, and we took on those brands just over around three years ago. Um, we have expectations each year to grow them as, as the market for growth, you know, the social good from venture capital trust or VCTs is, is one that, that we recognize is a good thing to start businesses or enhance businesses. Um, and so the VCT has a very particular place in the UK economy, in our opinion. Um, the, uh, the, the trust has gone, you know, clearly some of these early stage businesses, particularly consumer or health or, or, or leisure, has had a tough time over the last 18 months with COVID. But actually, we've had some good, good um, outcomes. We own the faux Vietnamese restaurant. Um, that some people may know, um, and and we actually got it. We we uh, uh, disposed of that in the last few weeks for a good multiple, good price, and a return um, that was a money multiple that was very attractive indeed. Um, so there are a number of actually the, the transaction activity in the private world has, has picked up immeasurably in the last six months. We're involved in that, and we're getting some very good returns for investors. Um, through the disposals that we have in our business. So we're, we're actually, we feel quite, the, the portfolio valuations are quite robust at the moment and we're generating good cash returns on realisations for investors. So we're very pleased actually. Well, I uh, I actually went to Fur a few weeks ago, so I'm, I'm, I hope I added to your multiples 
Um, but while I was doing my research, I, I noticed that you cut dividends down from 18p in 2016 to 7 in 2017, and now it's down to 3 pence. Um, could you explain why? So there was a rebasing of the uh, dividend policy, and I, th- I think you say 17, and that's about right, uh, to 7% of opening NAV, net asset value. Um, that remains the case. So basically, the 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 the, the intention is to um, retain a seven percent dividend yield of opening NAV. I think the three P that you're referring to is the interim dividend. So therefore, that's almost half on an out um, of, of what will be paid out. But uh, so the whole year will still be seven pence, uh, or sorry, seven percent of the NAV. Um, and what you've referred to there, or that decline, or is not a decline. It's more just that they paid in in half yearly. Okay, that makes sense. What's your outlook for the UK private and public equity market? So if you believe that the cycles still exist and, and that this, we're in the longest economic and, and uh, cycle uh, in history, in, I think uh, in, in history or recorded history now, um, then you, you will see that uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of activity in terms of private equity, uh, M&A at the moment, and this happens towards the end of cycles. Um, so there, you, could, you could say we're, we are... To walk very close towards the end of a cycle here, um, I, I think within that we all the, the governments recognise and the, the monetary authorities recognise that there are su- quite su- lots of fragilities going back to the point you said at the start, and they're trying to manage that co- accordingly. It is a tough ask for for global uh, monetary and, and government authorities, but but there are there are um, they're, they're clearly I would say in the short term. There's still going to be continue a lot of M and A's. There's a lot of cash around in private houses, um, private equity houses. More cash than has been raised in history. Um, so there's still a lot of M and A potential as they need to put that cash to work in the short term. Sure. And my last question for you, Tony, is uh, what's your um, outlook as well for the for the UK tech and financial services uh, sector? I, I'm optimistic for for all of them. I mean, we've got. Um, one of the greatest stock exchanges in the world. Uh, it has the appropriate regulation. Um, there is a lot of activity to attract technology and early stage business to the UK. VCTs are an area that, that tries to help that. So there is clear recognition and cultural aspects that allow the UK to be in a good, as- a good position to attract uh, talent, intellectual talent, people, as well as um, uh, uh, um, assets or um, an IP to this country in order to to grow. So I'm very, very optimistic about this country. We we as a country have evolved over hundreds of years. We tend to be at the forefront of, of trade uh, and, and industrial evolution. And I'm very positive about that this country in that respect. Mm-hmm.